Hey, Will, like I normally do, I just want to take a moment to tell our listeners to make sure they hit us up on social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you might see us. Make sure you're sending us something. Also, you can email us directly at AppalachiaMeetsWorld at gmail.com. If you get a moment, shoot us a line, give us some feedback. Yeah, and wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to Appalachia Meets World. It just helps our podcast, but it also helps you know when we're releasing a new episode. opportunities for folks to have ownership in our company. The core foundation of our company is we care about people and we care about the planet and we want to do everything that we do with purpose. Appalachia Meets World, a podcast about place and perspective, but always Appalachian. And don't forget, Will, tonight's episode is powered by SOAR. Shaping our Appalachian region. If you're an entrepreneur out there, especially in Eastern Kentucky, check them out. Appalachia meets world. It's Will. And Neil. What up, man? Hey, it's been a minute. I know. I know. How's it, how's it going? Going good, man. We, I think we can let our listeners know we actually got together recently. Yeah. Yeah. Recently got together, tried a live episode, epic fail at the beginning. So we had to go back to uh, old school recordings, man. That's how we do it. Yeah. The live episodes, uh, other than the beginning hiccup, I thought the live episodes went well. I mean, the, the SOAR was a heck of a summit. They called it the mini summit, but I think I think we said maybe over almost 800 people showed up, which was an outstanding debut for the mini summit yeah i thought it was a great event man really brought attention to ashland kentucky and soar did a great job of putting it on i was impressed i know you were impressed as well and uh we're thankful to have soar as a partner of ours and look forward to the next summit they they put on yeah definitely the focus of that summit downtown revitalization and tourism i thought was spot on especially for that area of ashland you know i've driven through ashland several times over the past few weeks kind of a hidden gym there on the river tourism obviously it's always been part of that livelihood with the economic transitions you know tourism is a key for the area yeah it's definitely uh Definitely a nice area of Kentucky and one that I don't get to very often, but would like to to see more of. I can I can see why people want to move there and want to go there. You know, they got a lot of great things going on. Speaking of tourism, I've like I said, I've traveled through Appalachia several times over the last couple of weeks. One of them was in Asheville, which is kind of Appalachia's tourism capital. Their their economy kind of revolves around tourism in a good way. Sometimes those jobs aren't as high paying as other jobs, but I think I think Asheville makes it work really well, other than affordable housing problems that they may have because of it. But I also just got back from Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge, another tourism capital. <laughs> Yeah, what a great place for Appalachia. I know I know you ventured down to Dollywood recently and saw the little uh Disney of the of the of the Appalachians and uh I think you came away impressed, right? Yeah, uh actually always talked about Dollywood, always it's always been close, but that's the first time I've ever been. They got some pretty good roller coasters. I don't know about how, how what you think about it. Anything that's got Dolly attached to it, I'm all about it. You know that. Yeah, that's a win-win there. Speaking of tourism, speaking of 
sustainability throughout Appalachia. There are parts of Dollywood, there are parts of Pigeon Forge, parts of Gatlinburg that revolve around food and the sustainability of food and how a lot of times some of the areas throughout Appalachia kind of get away from the fresh foods that we've always known in the past. And you see these fast food restaurants and it kind of gets away from what we have typically known the heritage of Appalachia, traditions of Appalachia in regards to fresh and sustainable foods. Yeah. And, and, you know, you mentioned that and I know where you're going with that. I'm really looking forward to, to talking more about what is going on in Appalachia right now to, to help combat that, that problem of sustainable food. I guess I can go ahead and say our guest tonight is going to be a representative from App Harvest. And this is a company that I, I've really taken an interest in just because I think they're doing amazing things throughout Appalachia. And, and I'm looking forward to having Mr. Smooth. Ramil Bradley on tonight. Yeah, I am too. You know, we've mentioned App Harvest in the past. It's a company that might have had a soft start, but really hit the ground running and has ramped up to one of the biggest ag tech companies in the world. You know, what better place to have it but Appalachia? I always, you know, I always say, why not Appalachia? Why not have the ag tech capital of the world in Appalachia, where that heritage is for sustainable, fresh foods? And that's exactly what App Harvest is doing. Yeah, and if you don't do anything else after our episode, just Google App Harvest in Moorhead, Kentucky, and look at that facility and think about the jobs that were created in Moorhead, Kentucky. And that's just one facility. Glad you mentioned that about creating jobs. You know, it's not just about the sustainability, the food that they produce. Yes, we want the entire region to eat healthy, to think healthy, to think about what they're eating and how they're eating and how the food is produced in a sustainable and environmentally sustainable way. But also, you know, like you said, it's creating well-paying jobs, which I hope that Ramel will talk about, which is important for not only the country, but also in our region. I wanted to ask you, Neil, do you have an app app biz for me this week? No, man. I appreciate you tossing that question at me, but I don't have one this week, but I know you do. So with your travels recently, I know you got an app business biz to throw at me. You know, there was a place that I visited. I had to uh-huh. stop on my way back from Pigeon Forge in Gatlinburg. And we have mentioned it on our show before because of the passing of the founder. But I wanted to make the app biz of the week just because it was a special trip that I took to this place. Saw it for myself. The Museum of Appalachia in Clinton, Tennessee. You know, how many times have those of us that travel up and down that highway frequently that live in the heart of Appalachia, how many times have we just passed up Clinton and bypassed that? What, what When it would only take us how, how long, Will, to get off there in Clinton and, and check things out? Literally, it's, I think, a mile off the exit. Maybe a mile and a half. Yeah. Not, not long at all. You see signs for it? Going up and down I-75 right there in Clinton, Tennessee. I just uh, hope that our listeners will will take a minute to look at that exit on occasion. If you're traveling up and down the interstate, going on vacation, coming back from vacation, whatever, take a minute and just take a peek in on your heritage. Yeah, definitely. It's an amazing piece of property, several acres, just beautiful land. It's just a great place with so many artifacts that we talked about before in regards to Appalachia. It's even an affiliate of the Smithsonian. Gift Shop Museum is a nice, quaint 
building. It has all kinds of Appalachian products within that you can purchase. It's just a neat place to check out. Check out how Appalachia has formed over the last hundreds of years. We mentioned the founder before who passed away that will be having a public kind of celebration of his life on April 24th, I found out. We may have some updates on that uh, on later episodes, but I wanted to mention that if anybody's in the area and wants to check it out, it's open to the public April 24th at the Museum of Appalachia. So it's an excellent business in regards to the heritage of Appalachia, just learning a bit more, seeing the land, seeing how sustainable we, you know, this whole episode is about sustainable eating, healthy eating. And it just goes back to how that was with our heritage and, and the museum kind of takes us there. And now we have someone from App Harvest kind of take us, taking us into the future of sustainable eating in regards to ag tech and in regards to Appalachian food and food sources. Without further ado, man, let's get Ramel Smooth Bradley on our show. Yeah, let's get him on here. New York, New York, it's my muse. Let's fly, let's fly. As I stare at the city from the rooftop of my high rise, I'm optimistic on life and I fall with live rise. On tonight's episode, we have Ramel Smooth. Bradley. He is a former Kentucky Wildcat starting point guard and a beloved member of Big Blue Nation. He also played professionally in Israel, Croatia, France, and won a championship in Turkey. Since his playing days, however, and more importantly, why we wanted to have him on the show, he is currently the community director and director of outreach for App Harvest. For the listeners that don't know, App Harvest is an ag tech company. They utilize sustainable indoor farming techniques in central Appalachia in hopes of making Appalachia the ag tech capital of the world. Just to throw out a few numbers, since their start, they have invested over a billion dollars in Appalachia and created hundreds of jobs for the region. So, Ramel, man, we want to thank you for being on the show and definitely appreciate your time. Of course. Thanks for having me. I appreciate a good conversation every now and again. (laughs) <laughs> um, oh yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure. It's a true pleasure. Well, well, we'll try. We'll do the best we can. One question that we always start off with, as Appalachians are big on tradition, big on history, Neil and I, our family is big on tradition as well. And one of those traditions that we have, which is perfect for, for this topic of App Harvest. So we have appetizers at the holidays. Always just a big spread of appetizers, usually more appetizers than the actual meal. So we wanted to ask you, do you have a favorite appetizer or just holiday dish? Okay, holiday dish. Honestly, I'll say I'm a, I'm a salad guy. And to get even more specific, I love cucumbers. So when I'm with the family, it's holiday season. Before the meal, the good soul food start. If my moms, my family, they dice me up some cucumbers, oil, vinegar, salt, pepper, I'm in heaven. That's nice, <laughs> nice. That's staying with the uh, App Harvest motto of eating healthy, huh? That's a fact. And you know what? I ain't, I ain't even playing that, man. I love cucumbers before we started the company. So. <laughs> Will and I are big salad guys, too. We always eat salad before and after a meal at, at our holiday feast at our parents' house. I always have to have croutons on top of mine. I'm a, I'm a lover of croutons. I don't do the croutons, brother. Oh. I don't do the croutons. You My do the salad, croutons? It's not a salad without cheese and croutons. <laughs> <laughs> We're not as healthy as you. 
<laughs> hey, I can dig it. Hey, food is about enjoying what you like to eat, man. Ain't no shame. Ain't no, we're not about shaming people for what they like to eat. <laughs> <laughs> just to let our listeners know, can you just tell us about App Harvest, maybe the mission? I, I know currently App Harvest has a 60 acre farm. They grow, you grow in tomatoes in Moorhead and you have broken ground in Richmond on a 60 acre indoor facility. Mm-hmm. to grow fruits and veggies in Berea. You've broken ground as well, 15 acres to grow leafy greens. But can you just talk about maybe the mission and what App Harvest is all about? Absolutely. So I'll keep it very simple because um I believe a lot of folks can relate to, you know, what helped me make the, the choice to be a part of App Harvest and also move back to the state of Kentucky. And it was, we kind of talked about it before we started this conversation, man, access to fruits and vegetables, healthy food, like just access to it. I put my career, my basketball career on pause for a second to be with my family. And the main reason was because my grandmother was suffering from chronic illness. And when I did a little bit of research, realized it was directly correlated to food. I mean, my friend Jonathan Webb, he called me up and he has deep ties to Eastern Kentucky. And he kept it real simple with me. He said, Ramal, I know what you're doing for your family. I get it. I also love the folks back home where I'm from. And let me tell you something, we got an opportunity to grow a lot more food. And he kept it simple, economic economic mobility and access to healthy food. And that's really our mission, bro. I'll keep it real simple with you. Our mission is to provide healthy food for everyone, for everyone that we could touch, everyone that we could reach within this one day's drive <laughs> here in Appalachia. So that's really it. Healthy food. And we want to create jobs, allow people to take care of themselves, their family. You know, you mentioned kind of that transition from basketball to farming, essentially. So can you tell us just briefly, you, you kind of touched on it, how that transition came about, but was it a shock for you to go from the courts to the farms? I mean, you know, <laughs> how, how did that, how did that happen? Yeah. Well, one might think that, but a few people noticed, like when I came to UK, moved to the bluegrass to play basketball was my first love, but I decided to choose agriculture as my major. And a lot of folks are like, well, what you study agriculture? And, you know, again, I just, I go back to my roots seed was planted in me young to serve my community. My family did that. Being from Brooklyn, we did that through food. We, we fed food. My grandmother would cook food. We would prepare meals and we would make sure the folks that in my hood and my community that needed it, we gave it to them. So when I was thinking about a major, I'm like, okay, well, you can't just go to school and play basketball. You got to <laughs> you gotta study. Okay, well, you know, what do I care about? What are the, some of the things that I care about? And it was food. And I had a great advisor. And he was like, you know, community leadership and development. Ramel, that's in agriculture. And I'm like, okay, I can get with this. Not even knowing that, you know, 10, 12 years later, in a lot of ways, it was going to be my passion or even my calling. Just different levels. So yes, it was a little bit of a shock. But no, it wasn't a shock in the fact that I really cared deeply about feeding people. It was just inside of me. So you still strap them on. You still play a little bit. Oh, so you know what? I was just at the last UK game. We had an awesome comeback. I think it was Alabama. I can't remember that rough, but I was with my trainer. So yeah, I'm talking. I'm talking with my trainer now. I need to get back in shape. I haven't hooped since since I left Turkey in 2016. So <laughs> I don't want to get too basketball going in that direction too much, but I gotta I gotta ask this question: How much money? would smooth have made in the nil era that is a great question oh that's an awesome question i was just having this conversation as well with us having uh you know the platform that we have i'm thinking of ways that i can now support 
you know, the next student athletes, next generation. And I'm like, whoa, it kind of almost broke my heart the other day because in my mind, I'm thinking I have all of these goals, aspirations, things that I wanted to do in school. But I was like, no, you know, you're here to focus on school and basketball. While all the time I'm going to school with folks who are actually focusing on things that they want to do for the rest of their lives as well. So I was kind of hold back, kind of, kind of hurt because I feel like I would have had a lot more opportunities, ways to provide for my family as well. But I'm also at the same time, I'm excited for the opportunities that the next generation has. It's kind of amazing when you think about it. So I'm locking them on my mind to see ways that I can figure out how to support those guys with these newfound opportunities because... It's actually amazing. Kind of getting getting back to App Harvest, your, I guess, official title is Community Director or Director of Outreach. Can you just explain to our listeners exactly what you do in regards to that title? I know you have, you're, you're in a couple of schools in regards to ag tech and entrepreneurship and education. Can you just explain what you do in regards to your title there at App Harvest? Absolutely, absolutely. So as the Community Director I founded our ag tech program that has been very successful as far as the engagement that we've had for the next generation. So we have this awesome piece of technology which students can farm all year round in a container farm. They got access to technology and software that they can control inputs on the farm with their smartphones, with their device. And we know the next generation online. They're not just digging in the dirt anymore, right? Exactly. We live we living in the in the metasphere, whatever they call it, the meta world, man. I mean, I it was pretty awesome, as well as being able to engage community partners, share our story, expand our program, strategize on some economic development opportunities in the certain communities that we're going to be doing business. And we also believe we need to do service in those communities. What I've been hearing, this is my first time being a part of a startup. You ultimately have to wear many different hats. So if I get an email, phone call from any teammate in any department, I'm here willing and ready to support them. A lot like basketball in a lot of ways. I've been blessed to be a part of this program and to be the community director. One of the faces that people think about when they think about the company is actually a blessing to know that we're doing, our focus is just doing good. That's great. How many schools are you in now? So we started at one in Eastern Kentucky in Pikeville, Shelby Valley High School. That was in 2018. We are currently in seven different high schools from that starting time, one being a school called Carter G. Woodson Academy, which is in Lexington, Kentucky. And it's a predominantly African-American and Hispanic school, all young men studying and focusing on ag. So for us to have that program there was very special to me, being a young Black man moving from Brooklyn, New York, to live in Eastern Kentucky, you know, all with the hopes and the aspiration of being able to feed, also feed folks in my community that look like me, provide them with access and opportunity. So we have seven now. Our goal is 20. I'm fairly confident that over the next three to six months, we're going to be landing some new containers at some different programs, as well as starting a foundation and going out and raising more cash so we can ensure that no matter where these kids is from, urban, suburbia, rural communities, same access, same opportunities. That's incredible. And you touched on this, you know, any anyone that knows you, Ramel, knows you're from Brooklyn. <laughs> you're, you're proud of where you're from. And I know you represent it where, wherever you go. So I wanted to ask you a question. We, we talked earlier, I, I'm, I live in Cleveland now. And there was a time I was working for a nonprofit venture development organization. And as part of work, we had this inclusion training where they brought in this third party to kind of train us. And as 
part of that during it, they put up this slide and it had these numbers, this raw data and these numbers. And these numbers were filled with income disparity, below level percentages in regards to poverty, low educational attainment, low health, high diabetes numbers, food insecurities, just impoverished, destitute numbers. And it was from inner city New York and it was from inner city Cleveland. And they asked us in the room, this room full of suburbanites, you know, what do you see when you look at this data? And everybody, you know, was was shocked. They were astonished by the data. And I raised my hand and I said, I see home. And they're like, how do you see home? You know, this suburban guy sitting in the back of the room. And I'm like, I'm from Appalachia. And on paper, that's my home. But those numbers don't tell the full story. They don't talk about the people that live there. They don't talk about the heritage, the family values, the commitment to community that Appalachia has. And I just wanted to ask you, as you moved from, or you're from Brooklyn, and you moved to Eastern Kentucky, Neil and I talk about all the time that largely our communities have the same challenges. The solutions may look different, but there are a lot more similarities than there are differences. In moving to Eastern Kentucky and being from Brooklyn, have you seen a lot of similarities? Have you seen a lot of differences? I know it was probably a culture shock to you, but was there commonplace there in regards to how you grew up and how you're seeing the the next generation grow up in Appalachia? Yeah. I know that's a long question. No, but it was an insightful question. And uh, I really appreciate that question because a lot of times folks don't ask me questions about, you know, what are some things we have in common? They really just see so many differences and you kind of like hit the nail on the head. Like when we look at these communities, when we study certain data, our communities are a lot more alike than they are different, right? Like you talked about chronic disease. Yeah, it's ravishing both of our communities, an urban community like where I'm from, just as well as a rural community, you know, such as Appalachia. And one of the things that I connect with is we, we had this program. I was like up in five, six in the morning meeting kids in a farm, right? Now think about this, like how many kids from any high school is waking up before school is even started to meet anybody at the school to just even farm. One connection that I seen was like a sense of there's not a lot of opportunities here, but there should be. And I'm willing to support anyone that wants to create opportunities in my community. And I felt the same way being from Brooklyn. Like it was a very difficult community to grow up in. And a lot of times you feel like the only way I can be successful is if I get up out of here. And so, I mean, I related with the students and and that way there's a grittiness you know, a toughness about Brooklyn that when I walk into wherever in Appalachia, I'm in a holler, I'm, I'm in contact with people. It's the same feeling. It's the same vibe. And again, like we just believe at Appalachia, like no, it don't matter where you come from. It don't matter your background. It don't matter your ethnicity, your religion. You know, one thing that could bring folks together is we do one of the most intimate things ever. We all go home and we eat food with the people we care about. And if we could bond there, like if we could bond on that level, then of yes, we can open our minds up to see see how many more things we have in common. I come from a community that was disinvested in, you know, was like this sense of hopelessness while all the while, I, you know, we had this pride in our community and we felt this inner confidence that allows us to continue to 
you know, go through the ups and downs or the ebbs and flows of life. So a lot of commonalities, a lot of commonalities, man. Well said. We talk about it all the time on this show that the people from Eastern Kentucky and Appalachia have a grit about them that people just don't understand unless you're from here. But it's the same for you. You know, people from Brooklyn have that same grit that you don't understand it unless you've been in it. So uh, well said. Like like I said in the beginning, you know, you're proud of where you're from. And then we both have that strong sense of community, that strong sense of family. I'm so proud of where I'm from. Maybe this is like a testament to, you know, my grandmother, the people who raised me, my mom, my family. But I could love where I'm from. That could be where my heart is. But I've lived other places and, and come in contact with awesome people. And when that happens, like, in a way, I feel like my heart's kind of broken up into different pieces like and it's about people it's about looking beyond beyond the surface beyond what people are saying and getting to know people and what brings us together i'm proud that i could be in in a different room i can go to a different community and be a reflection of people who raised me right and i feel like that when i'm coming in contact with people in appalachia it's, it's a connection. So I know from my perspective, nobody can't talk no trash, nothing bad about folks from the eastern part of the state. We family now. We family now in the same way. I keep thinking about, I don't know if y'all seen this movie. I can't think of the name of the movie, but it was about Fred Hampton. And he like teamed up with folks in Appalachia and like they was feeding people and I was inspired. So like nobody can't tell me or make me believe that people ain't people and we ain't connected and can't do good for each other. I've heard you talk before about your grandmother and how she gives you inspiration. You touched on it a little bit, but do you want to tell her story a little bit about how she fed the community uh, when you grew up? I think about my grandmother every single day now since she passed recently. My admiration for her continues to grow. I, I do a lot of studying, do a lot of reading. I do a lot of learning about different leaders. And my grandmother, she fed people. She educated people. She prayed for people. She had multiple different types of leadership styles and she was she was one black woman i'm just proud i'm kind of exactly it's kind of exactly what you're doing at harvest just on a larger scale right exactly and that's why i'm so fired up about this work because i know ultimately man like this is nothing that i'm doing i'm just moving some kind of way into the blessing that my my grandmother already provided she laid the seed she planted the seed and i i met great people like you know jonathan webb he's one of my he's not only the ceo at harvest but he's my best friend at the same time He'll die on a stake for the people that he loves. So I just feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And I don't want to stop doing it until I'm gone. I wanted to ask that question, too, and and how it relates to to Jonathan Webb that you just mentioned. How did you guys become friends, number one? And then what did that conversation look like when he called you up and said, hey, I really want you to be a part of this? Oh, man. So... I will, I'll, I'll spare you the long back story. <laughs> I'll spare you the long back story. So what I want. The same way I believe food connects people, I also music connects people. It's like a universal thing. It brings people together. When I was a junior or senior at UK, we connected from music. We met one day and literally I tell you from the day we met to like, I was overseas somewhere. Like we was like joined at the hip. You know, I seen that man go through a lot of struggles and think about ways on how he can help his community. And when he called me, he's like, Ramel, like, what you up to? I'm in, I'm, I'm in Brooklyn, man. I'm taking a break from basketball, focusing on my family. He's like, Ramel, man, you're gonna have to put this agriculture degree to use. I need you to move to Pikeville. I'm gonna farm on a mountain. 
Like, I'm like, what, man? Like, what, bro? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no way, my guy. He broke it down to me, and man, I feel like he had tears in his eyes when we was talking about this because it was a transition for me. I didn't realize it at the time, but he was like, "Ramel, I know you love your family. I know y'all feeding people, man. But we could feed millions of people from right here." We could create jobs and, you know, we could have, help people have a better quality of life. And we could do that by doing things better for the environment. You know, people is going through a lot. Industries is leaving. And when he made it sound like that, it was just like things just started clicking. And in my mind, I'm like, feed people, create jobs, man. What? Let's go. Let's go. And so after I understood what he was talking about, and then it was it was it was bigger than me. I realized it was bigger than him. It was bigger than us. And so we just had to lean into what the creator wanted us to do. And he ain't finished yet. You guys aren't only creating jobs. It's important for App Harvest to create living wage jobs. You pay particular attention to your labor in regards to App Harvest. That am I correct in saying that? You absolutely correct. Um, we want people to have a living wage. We pay a living wage. We provide full benefits. We have opportunities for folks to have ownership in our company. The core foundation of our company is we care about people and we care about the planet and we want to do everything that we do with purpose. I certified we, B Corp, correct? Yeah, we're, we're a certified B Corporation. So yeah, you know, you did your research. We got a fiduciary responsibility to take care of our people. And more than that, it's in our hearts. And we believe that if you want to do business moving forward in this world, you got to make sure you do it the right way. You got to take care of the hardworking people that decide to sacrifice everything, their life to work with you. And that's how you move forward is together. One question I did want to ask you. So we have an app biz of the week every week. And one of the app biz on one week was Black Soil Kentucky. I don't know if you're familiar with what they do. Uh, they're based out of Lexington. I know you do some similar things in regards to advocating for minority farmers and the next generation of black farmers. And I know that's important to you. You want to you want to talk about that a little bit, like what you do in that regard? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and you said it, you mentioned it, Black Soil. I want to give a shout out to Ashley Smith. Also want to give a shout out to Mike Jackson for Kentucky Greens and, and Megan and a, and a whole lot of other up and coming entrepreneurs, leaders in the agriculture field, especially being black and being in this industry. hundred years ago, there was millions of black farmers, black operations. Today, that's less than 1%. And that's a huge issue. That's a huge problem. And it's a huge challenge. And that's why we partner with folks like Ashley Smith and Black Soil. And she focuses on black farmers and sourcing from black farmers and helping them be able to have market share. So I love everything that she's doing. And it's actually just a blessing to be redefining agriculture and to be inspiring hope and young folks that not only look like me, but also that look up to me in whatever community. That's a privilege. And I want to continue to move forward with other young, successful leaders with a passion for creating solutions in the agriculture industry. That's it. And we want to go as hard as we can so that that we open up the doors and allow a new wave of agriculturalists that are very diverse in this industry. There's lots of opportunities in the agriculture industry, and we want to make sure that we share everything that's happening in these emergency emerging sectors as well. That's great. Like you said, it's not just digging in the dirt anymore, right? Yeah, man. I, I, I wear my Jordans. I, wear, I was wearing my Jordans <laughs> and I, you know, no, no soil. You can't soil. get the Jordans dirty, right? Exactly. You could look good and you could do good by the 
environment and, and empower people. I was getting ready. I was getting ready to say, do you, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, some of your facilities? I know that when you look at an app harvest facility, it's not what the general public thinks about when you say farming. Uh, I know we've kind of joked about it, but in, in reality, the advancements in farming uh, have come a long way. So if you want, just talk a little bit about you know what you see on the daily all right i'll run off some numbers because the photos don't do it any justice but to be clear we have a 60 acre facility 70 altogether about 2.76 million square feet of a facility we could produce 50 million pounds of tomatoes. We use 90% less water. We have a 10 acre retention pond, which we use and we collect all of that rainwater. We recirculate it, we treat it back into our plants. We use zero to any chemical pesticides. It's just the best taste and quality, best looking fruit, stealing glass. We still capture, capture all of that sunlight use from sunrise to sundown. And again, you said it at the beginning of our of our call, we're building three more facilities. We'll have tomatoes, we'll have strawberries, we'll have cucumbers, peppers, and leafy greens. We have a one-of-a-kind, one-of-a-kind, first-of-a-kind hybrid LED high in a high-pressure sodium lighting system, about 10,000 lights. It's truly a marvel. It's technically the largest facility in the world, and it's in Kentucky. Our company built it, and I was a part of it, and I couldn't be more proud. As you should be. It's very impressive. Your farming is not like a couple years ago when my then eight-year-old son had a garden in the backyard. You've taken it to a whole whole different level. I'm Neil. I couldn't be more proud as an Appalachian. <laughs> Neil does have chickens, though. He likes to talk about I, them. I do. I do. You you don't listen to our show much, but I'm an entrepreneur myself, and my, mm-hmm. my kids are entrepreneurs, and we have chickens in the backyard, and my boys sell eggs through the neighborhood. Got to start them young. You'd be surprised, Neil, how many kids don't even have any understanding. For your kids to be doing that, that's powerful. That's powerful. That's powerful. It's community leadership. It's entrepreneurship. It's agriculture, man. We need more, we need more families like you, and that's what we hope to inspire as well but it's a powerful thing one farmer told me the other day and it is sit with me it'll probably sit with me forever and he he made it sound a lot better than i'm about to attempt to make it sound but he was said like farmers are stewards of the land of humans how they farm and the practices that that they do the crops or the animals it directly dictates the quality of life in human beings. The way he put it made it sound spiritual almost. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it's about, man. There's some great people throughout Appalachia, some great farmers throughout Appalachia that have been stewards wow. of this land for a long time. I don't know who that individual was, but I can I can see the passion in, in you when you talk about it. I can only imagine the passion that, that he told you the story with. You're all doing some amazing work, and I, I'm just glad that Jonathan had the fortitude to go forward to put these facilities in Appalachia because in the end why not Appalachia you know he, he could have put this facility in a lot of places and he chose Appalachia and and why not Appalachia we can do it just as good as anywhere else amen and it, and it starts at home I mean everybody got their own path I believe for, for Jonathan you know he he stuck to what was on his heart and he did what he he wanted to do for the betterment of the people in his home I pray for that man I pray for our company and we we're not going to stop no time soon. We talk about it on here all the time. So what our our focus of our podcast is, is to gas up Appalachia. Mm-hmm. So we talk about 
doers on mm-hmm. here all the time. And what you guys at App Harvest are, are you're a great example of doers. You had a wonderful idea, but lots of people have wonderful ideas. You have to be a doer to get that idea to the next level. I, I commend you guys on being able to accomplish what you've accomplished thus far and look forward to seeing what you'll accomplish next. One question that we always ask every person that's on our podcast, and I'm looking forward to, to your answer. When I say this word to you, What's the first thing that comes to mind? The first thing that rolls off the tongue when I say to you, Appalachia. Appalachia. Dope. I <laughs> capital, the yes. example of the nation. A lot of things come to my mind when I think about Appalachia. <laughs> That's the best answer we've had. I don't, I don't, we could, we could take that word dope in a lot of different directions for Appalachia. <laughs> uh, you know, I really, I really got a, a, a genuine appreciation and love for Appalachia, man. I never thought, like, I would, never thought I would be able to call this place home, but yeah, we like. Lifers now. We lifers now. It's the mountains, man, they draw you in. We say it all the time. That's also one of our questions. Where do you call home? Where do I call home? So the biggest piece of my heart, I got it. The biggest piece of my heart is 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 in Brooklyn. Brooklyn is where my heart is. It's, it's what planted the seed. Um, but I will say that my heart has been broken. A piece of my heart is is certainly in Israel. Um, I got a lot of love for that place, a special love for that place. Certainly, right here in Kentucky, got a lot of love for this place. And Appalachia, as well as as well as the central part of the state, and I'm hoping to get familiar with the western part of the state pretty soon. You know, I've been I've been welcome. I'm like an honorary Kentucky, and I feel like in a lot of ways, absolutely. Um, I think you're definitely an Appalachian, Ramel. Yeah, yeah. And you know something? When when I would go into like little like kind of stylish hippie places in Brooklyn, it's like the multicultural capital of the world. And when I moved to Appalachia, I was like, wait, like this kind of feels got the same kind of vibes. Then it hit me. We got people from Brooklyn. They they moved to Brooklyn. They came from somewhere. So yeah, man, I feel like I'm at home in Appalachia. Feel feel like Brooklyn to me. That's great. Uh, Ramel, I got a couple of uh, quick fire questions for you, if if you don't mind uh, partake. What was your favorite moment at UK in, in regards, I guess, to basketball? That's a good one. Favorite moment. Favorite moment that I can remember right now, I would probably have to say maybe senior night, knowing that that was going to be my last time playing in Rupp, the fans, the love that we felt from the fans, being able to hug on my brother Joe Crawford and hug on Big Smooth, Mr. Kitely. There's many memories, but that's the one that I play back in my mind a lot. Do you have a favorite restaurant in Appalachia? You've been here a while now. Ooh, okay. My favorite restaurant in Pikeville was called the Blue Raven. And during COVID, they recently went out of business. It kind of broke my heart a little bit. I also love Malini's. It's an Italian spot in Moorhead, Kentucky called Malini's. I love that spot. And there's one more, I can't think of the name, but it's like a breakfast spot in Moorhead, but it's also a library in the background. Well, yes, it's probably one of my favorite places. It's like a restaurant, breakfast, cafe, and a library all in one. It's a special place. That's probably my favorite three. Cool. On the flip side of that, what's your favorite spot in Brooklyn? Ooh. Restaurant or otherwise? Home. For a long time, for a long time, I had like the the dopest restaurant and night spot. But I honestly tell you, since I came back home 2016, home. I've been through a lot in this past five years, and it ain't nothing like a good home-cooked meal. That's my favorite place in Brooklyn. So I got to ask you, you've been in 
Appalachia for a while. So cornbread or biscuit? That's a hard and that's a hard question. I like them both. It's just context. It's just it's context. Sunday, Sunday is so full. I might need some cornbread. I might be able to do some biscuit with brunch or breakfast, butter, some syrup, some. I like them both. Can you do grits? Oh my gosh! I oh my gosh! So yeah, I'm. I probably eat grits for dinner tonight. Yes. <laughs> I got a couple more. You were big into music while you were at UK. I don't know if you had a full album, but I know you produced some music. So uh-huh. while you've been in Appalachia, have you gotten into bluegrass or country? Okay, hold on. What's, what's my song? Tyler Childress. I've been listening Tyler to Tyler Childress. Yeah! yeah. His, last, his last album. What's the song where you talk about the grocery store? I went down to the grocery store. If I, if, if I could hear the song a little bit, I'd probably sing you the whole song. But I rock with Tyler Childress. Yeah, nice. I, I do the bluegrass. Nice, nice. So I got to ask you this question. This has been on my mind for a long time because I couldn't really remember. I, I know you didn't start this. Did you introduce the Rock Nation Diamond? To rub was that was that you, Ramel? That was me, man. A lot of people <laughs> don't. A lot of people don't know. You know, a lot of people don't realize this. Before Drake was popping up at the games, before uh, that was Calipari, Calipari get it. He part of the family. He part of the family. So it's family five. I'm I'm so proud of. I'm I'm happy that we got Coach Calipari. I'm but it was so, so funny. Like when you when you played, everybody in Rupp was throwing up diamonds. It was. <laughs> yeah, me, Joe, Rondo, Randolph Morris. I like to think. Of of us as we were the forerunners for what the game was about to turn into. Yeah. So I take a lot of pride in that. Yeah, but yeah, man, Rockefeller that. forever, Jay-Z, Brooklyn, <laughs> 24,000. I'm, I'm, I'm manifesting this because when I was playing in Rupp, I felt like, you know, maybe I need to be signed to Rockefeller. So I'm manifesting it in a whole nother entrepreneurial way right now. Let's remind <laughs> you. Last question, man. I'll let y'all talk. Last question. No, I actually have two more questions, but okay. favorite thing to do in Appalachia? Favorite thing to do in Appalachia? Oh man, go to a nice, go on a nice walk. Actually, when I was living in the cabin in Mahala, which was almost one of the scariest things getting home and leaving my home ever. <laughs> but one of the best things I love to do is just look out, look out into the hills, man, and just zone out, appreciate the beauty. Yeah. There's something about nature that, you know, it helped my transition into entrepreneurship. Look, just looking at the hills, it calmed me. That's great, man. Like we said, it's the mountains, a little bit of magic in those mountains. One final question, Neil, I think Neil wanted to ask this. Y'all have some really, really good salsa that you produce. For all the listeners out there, if you haven't tried it, try it. But Neil's got a question about the salsa. Okay. I'm a big uh, multi-grain Tostitos guy. And I just want to know, what is the best to dip into your salsa? Oh, you definitely got to do the spicy salsa. See, I, I like the I like the healthy multi-grain Tostitos. I'm more of a, just a normal Tostitos. I just crush them with the normal to- Tostitos or put it on something else. Right. I don't really like the chips and stuff. But the Tostitos, regular. Oh, yeah, okay. great, great answer. I, I don't I don't know about the multi-grain either. Will thinks I'm crazy on this. Yeah, multi-grain. That's a, I appreciate it because it sounds like it's healthy, but yeah, oh, they're, they're the best, oh, man. man. You got to try them. Ramel, Ramel we, we want to thank you for being on the show. We, we appreciate this time. The main purpose of having you on the show was the great work you're doing at App Harvest, App Harvest in general, but also, you know, throughout Appalachia. And, and I know it's spreading 
outside of Appalachia and throughout the world. And I, we just want to thank you for being on the show and thanks for what you do. Hey, much appreciated, fellas. Man, this was a great talk. And I look forward to catching up with y'all in the next three to six because we're going to do some other things. So let's check back in and, and stay in contact. Absolutely. Definitely. Thanks. Thanks. for his time and, and uh, all access pass to what's going on at App Harvest. Yeah, man, I, I am too. They, like he mentioned, which I didn't, had no idea about, there's so much going on. If you look at it on the surface, you can see that they grow tomatoes in Moorhead, but it's going to be so much more than that. You know, he talked about the leafy greens. He talked about the, the vegetables. He talked about the upcoming facilities that they're going to be creating. I think it's an exciting Strawberries. Thing, not only App Harvest, but Appalachia in general. Absolutely, man. I felt like uh, we, were, we were definitely skirting around insider trading right here on Appalachia Meets <laughs> World. So uh, I was so grateful for Smooth to give us all of his knowledge, man. And what a great job he has done as a uh, former Wildcat former basketball great here in the state and transforming that into doing good as we all always talk about being a doer throughout Appalachia and especially Eastern Kentucky. Definitely. And I, I loved, you know, the fact that he not only utilizes his platform as an ex UK player, but also utilizes his degree that he got at UK utilizes his past yep. that he learned from his grandmother to really focus on what he's doing now. And it fits in perfectly with that harvest. It fits in perfectly with what he's doing now and what he will be doing in the future. And it's great for him. It's great for App Harvest and it's great for Appalachia. You know, he talked about Jonathan Webb. We, I hope to have a follow up with Jonathan Webb on here just to talk about the the technical side of App Harvest. Ramel touched on it, how they grow in a sustainable way, but I'd really like to dig a little bit further in regards to that. You know, some people think about App Harvest as a big corporation taken away from the smaller farms, but that's far from the truth. And I'd like Jonathan Webb to to come on here and explain that, kind of explain what they do from a sustainability aspect, explain what they do from an overall corporation aspect and how it's good for Appalachia, how it's good for the environment and how it's good for the country. Yeah, absolutely. I would also like to have him on here too. You guys heard me ask Smooth about how they met and uh, where their relationship started. We could also dig into that with uh, Jonathan Webb and let him tell us about his artistic skills back in the day and how he and uh, Rumel kind of hit it off uh, while at UK. I, I look forward to hearing more about that story. So hopefully we'll get yeah. a chance to do that. And if you heard the intro to Rumel, <laughs> that was kind of a combo there with Rumel and Mr. Webb. Maybe he can talk about it if we have him on. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. Anyway, man, I know uh, I don't want to harp on it too much, but uh, it's a great episode. Wonderful to have Ramel on, and what a great representative for that company. But just to kind of move forward, just wanted to ask you this week if anything kind of hit you during this this episode or earlier in the week or through your travels or whatever of uh, of our Of Place segment. Yeah, I, I'll just mention quickly in regards to Of Place. I thought that when we were talking to Ramel, it, trans it, it kind of transitioned into a place where I, I guess it was an unexpected transition. You know, when we asked him about Brooklyn, when we asked him about Eastern Kentucky, 
And when he talked about the similarities, I just wanted to mention that again. You know, we talk about all the time on this show how there are really, and everyone that we've spoken to and in every place that we go, even outside of Appalachia, we see so many more similarities than we see differences. And I just wanted to point out when, you know, Ramel was talking about growing up in Brooklyn and now being in Eastern Kentucky and, and educating the youth of Eastern Kentucky and seeing so many similarities between how the youth are growing up in Eastern Kentucky and how he grew up in Brooklyn and how he is so passionate about where he's from and how Eastern Kentuckians and Appalachians are so passionate about where they're from. And they both have that grit, that grind. Brooklyn is known for that grit. Appalachia is known for that grip. And there's so many similarities, not only socioeconomic, but there are a lot of similarities in culture when it comes to family, when it comes to neighborhood, when it comes to community. You know, Ramel mentioned his grandmother and how she fed the community. And it just made me think of Appalachia when he was telling that story of how so many matriarchs throughout Appalachia help out in the community and help to feed the community, even if even if on a small scale. You know, App Harvest is doing it on a much larger scale, but there's so many people in the community that do it on such a smaller scale. And I saw so many similarities. And uh, Ramel's story and other stories throughout Appalachia. I just wanted to point that out and just hone in on the fact that we've said it so many times. There are so much, many more similarities than there are differences. If we can just continue to make those connections, to connect those neighborhoods, to connect those communities, to help them see those similarities, you know, I think it would be a powerful tool. Sooner that um, the rest of the country realizes that, I think the better. Absolutely. I think that's why the people of Kentucky has such a fond memory and love and passion for Ramel from his playing days. Uh, and I think that's why he has been able to adapt and to call this his second home because we are so much more similar than we are different. And I, I thought that was a, a great point that he made and that you made there, just how uh, close we are all over the place. Uh, not just in Appalachia, uh, and how we just bond and take care of our people no matter what the circumstances. There's so many of those stories throughout Appalachia, just like his story, and um, I'm glad we touched on that. Yeah, and I'll say it time and time again, it doesn't matter where we roam, we'll remain always Appalachian. That's right, always Appalachian. Yeah, man, I thought this was a, a, a good episode. I'm glad that we had a representative, Ramel Smooth Bradley, on from App Harvest. You know, we've been wanting to talk to App Harvest for a while now to, to just to d- dig into what they're doing, their capabilities, and what they're doing for Appalachia. And I'm glad he was able to get on. We'll go ahead and wrap this episode up. It's been a minute, like I said in the beginning, since we talked. I'm excited to get back on the recording, to get back on the show, just to talk to you, man. And I, I, I'm looking forward to next week and, and many weeks beyond and what we have going forward in the future. Yep, we got some great things coming up. All right, I guess I can end it like we usually do. Till next time. Hey. getting thin now I'm facing down with a grin I've been in the city too long sidewalks and buildings and singing sad songs now I'm back up where I belong in the mountains